You are now listening to The Big Data Beard. This is our podcast where we explore the trends, technology, and talented people making big data a big deal. Well, we are at the Disney Data Analytics Conference in Orlando, Florida, and we are excited to have one of the platinum sponsors of the Data Analytics Conference, some guys from Salesforce.com who gave a great keynote this morning. We've got Sean Alpert, he's the Vice President of Product Marketing, and Jonathan Ray, Director of the Einstein Product Management Team. So gentlemen, welcome to the Big Data Beard Podcast. Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. So we got to see your uh, your talk this morning. Hopefully those those slides will be made public because they were, I thought, brilliant. Um, but I was really surprised, I guess, and maybe many other people are, that when I think of Salesforce.com, my first thought is you're a CRM company. But it sounds like, based on what you guys were talking about today, that you're you're far more than just a CRM company. Would you explain what, why I should think differently about Salesforce? Absolutely. Uh, so Salesforce, as you probably know, was founded back in 99 as a Salesforce automation application in the cloud. And... Uh, as we continued on with the business and started growing and adding customers succeed, we realized that there are other parts of um, the experience that you have with your customers that you want to be in the same place. Why should your customer service information be in a different place? Why should your marketing information be in a different place? Your commerce, your communities. And so we've either bought or built our way into all of those markets. But the key thing is how can you connect better with your customers? We've always kept that thought in mind as we've spread from uh, pure sales automation to where we are now in 2018, covering the entire customer experience. Excellent. So you talked a lot though that you've taken, now you've got this you know, you've, you've built this platform where organizations can have many parts of their business interacting and transacting those, those critical sort of records, if you will, of, you know, with their customers. Um, but you talked about that, you know, and, and when I think about my use of Salesforce.com, I think of you very much as like, hey, there's some, some business intelligence capabilities, right? You can build reports, but it's, it's more than that, right? That you've got data now that you can use for more than just business intelligence. What is Salesforce really here trying to accomplish in, in the in the big data or in the AI space? Yeah, with the analytics cloud. So you're familiar with Salesforce reports and dashboards, and you know there's some scale limitations to pulling that in. With the analytics cloud, it's really been a focus on scale, like big data and performance along with that. So with the analytics cloud, it goes beyond, you know, you can still do reports, you can still do dashboards within analytics cloud, but really bringing the scale to it. And then with that, we've been putting together an end-to-end analytics solution. So bringing in your data, providing joins, augmenting your data, uh, having it so it's pulling and, and refreshing on a regular cadence, but then now bringing in the artificial intelligence, joining that to give you a, a guided experience into the information that's hidden within your big data, mm-hmm. and then continue on that journey, give you real-time predictions and recommendations, and you know, have that available out all the way to your end users in Salesforce who can consume that right alongside their Salesforce objects to use it frontline every day. So when you say bringing in your data, you can bring in data from other, countless other sources. What, what kind of sources are you talking about or 
what yeah, you normally are absolutely. seeing. Absolutely, we uh, you know we have dozens of connectors already built. We're continuing to add to those you know, all the time. We're investing. Salesforce is also investing you know, through acquisition, bringing in other technologies to to bring in more data because this is really something that you know we have a unique solution, and there's no reason to keep it just within the Salesforce family. We want to be able to help provide those analytics to wherever your data may be. And I wanted to add to that. So it's not just uh, things like Amazon Redshift or Google BigQuery, um, but we wanted to be able to uh, help in those people who have invested in on-premise data as well. So you'll, I'm sure you've heard about our MuralSoft acquisition that was just done. Mm -hmm. And for those people who have lots of data that's locked in silos, they need a way to be able to unlock it, bring it into their analytics. And that's exactly what we plan to deliver with MuleSoft. And I encourage you to come yeah. to Dreamforce to hear more. Oh, excellent. That's very cool. So you told a story, Jonathan, uh, about this morning at the, the keynote that had me laughing. Uh, it was something about the way if you're a business stakeholder and you have a relationship with the your analytics problem solver. Would you would you tell me that story again? Because if I remember correctly, it was pretty funny. Yeah. So absolutely. I mean, the situation is we're all trying to we're trying to hire more people with analytical skills. We know that we need it, but I mean, unless you're the Facebooks or Googles of the world who are willing to pay a ridiculous amount for armies of data scientists, the rest of us are left a little bit in the cold. And yeah, the the reality is. It's hard to get the talent, it's hard to integrate the talent, and it's hard to retain the talent. And it's easy to go, and be, all right, you know, those, those people with the data skills, the data scientists, they're just prima donnas. They think that, you know, they're, they're the best things in sliced bread. Well, in reality, it's a very difficult job because what's happening is the need is there. So everybody's a problem solver, but there are only a select few who are really analytical problem solvers. And when you have the fortunate or unfortunate uh, you know, position of being that analytics guru within an organization, everybody comes to you asking questions and trying to get help solving their problems because we all need to solve problems for our jobs. And it all rolls downhill, lands on the analyst. And you know, so you could think they're prima donnas, but they really, it's just a very difficult position to be in. And, you know, the, the thought exercise that I wanted everybody to go through is, you know, unless you are that person, if you're not the analytics guru, everybody has one, right? And you can sit and think about that person, get their name in your head. Mm -hmm. Well, the reality is that person hates you <laughs> because <laughs> you make their lives a living hell. And, you know, Okay, hate is perhaps a strong word, but I can guarantee you that their spouse or significant other <laughs> knows about every ridiculous request you've ever made. Particularly <laughs> if you made that request after 2 p.m. on a Friday, yeah. it's guaranteed that they know about it and they probably use it to identify you. So you're talking, you know, I'm. Sounds like you have Bill. experience with this, Jonathan. I may or may not have been in this situation once or twice, and my wife may identify some former colleagues uh, by the ridiculous questions they've asked. So, <laughs> That's yes, awesome. personally relatable. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's funny, though, because I think it's. It is true that this is uh, it is a challenging role to be that problem solver, and that uh, it, when you are in a position to be that problem solver, people come to you with crazy ideas. Probably many of them not possible even uh, based on current <laughs> technologies. But you you said even in spite of that, you still 
you know, really like and enjoy this analytics space, right? Oh, yeah. I absolutely love the space. I've been working in it. I've got an engineering background, so numbers are fun. But, you know, you do. You have to learn how to have a thick skin when people are complaining at you. One of my favorites, I did lots of forecast modeling, and I would have people come to me and say, what do you mean you can only forecast six months into the future? Say, buddy, you know what? If I could forecast what was going to happen tomorrow, I sure as hell would not be working here, <laughs> yeah, and I'd be yeah. a very rich man. That's exactly right. So you, you talked about the fact that that organizations are looking to, you know, go from hey, I've got data from my Salesforce environment, and I've brought it into my analytics cloud from, and I've married it with a variety of sources, but it's still hard to go from. Now I'm just doing business, you know, business intelligence at a broader scale, more sources. But how do I move up that maturity curve? Like, what are the challenges that customers are facing to move from, hey, I'm just doing, you know, BI well, I'm describing what happened and maybe understand why it happened, but I'm not yet predicting. Why, why is it so hard to do, to move up that maturity curve? Yeah. So uh, let's think back in time for a second. Over the last 30 years, there have been so many different BI tools and um, other analytics tools have been uh, invested in and brought to market. But if you asked the regular business person, are you getting the insights that you need to be able to do your job better on a daily basis? What do you think they'd say? Uh, no. And why is that? Uh, too many tools. So, <laughs> so let me give you four reasons. So I think that, number one, there was a time when small data was the norm. We didn't have this massive amount of data coming in. Number two, you had executives who were the privileged few mm -hmm. who were allowed to have the insights. Uh, number three, it was okay for this to take months at a time mm -hmm. to come up with. And number four, the world is just different now and your average business person needs to move more quickly. So we're, we're really at an inflection point where we're seeing that in this new world, you need to be able to have your business intelligence and your artificial intelligence joined together. So it needs to be AI augmented analytics. And the, the fact is that there aren't that many vendors out there that are supplying that kind of technology. With Einstein Analytics, we have both the modern analytics part, which mm -hmm. is visualizations and um, being able to explore, as well as the discovery part. So helping people understand not just what happened, but why did it happen, what might happen in the future, mm -hmm. and what can you do about it? All right. So I, I view this, you know, the, the analytics or the, you know, the big data market, there's this, you know, this maturity thing where people go from describing what happened to understanding why it happened to what's happening, what's likely to happen next. And then what's the best thing to do to affect that outcome. That feels like it's a hard thing. You don't jump from one, like zero to 60, but it sounds like what you're saying is that this Einstein product is seeking to help advance people's maturity and using technologies like machine learning and AI in a, a platform that they maybe already know and understand well. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the other piece of that is part of that hurdle you're talking about mm -hmm. is, I mean, we go back to our poor analytics people, right? right. Where you know, all of this additional work just lands in a pile on their desk. So you know, what's really diff difficult 
with that is before you can even start to advance and push the envelope further, you've got to resource up. The vision of Einstein Analytics is really to make it so you can interact. There's so many tools out here. You know, there are probably a dozen vendors out here talking about augmented analytics and all of these things are doing is coming, chewing up your data, spitting out a bunch of numbers at your feet. Yeah. The, the positioning we've taken with Einstein Analytics is making it tell you a story. And what that allows you to do is that storytelling, we interact with it. Sometimes the stories are brilliant. Sometimes they're absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but you know, we as humans are great at problem solving and applying our business context. So in that exchange, you can, you know, we're good at critiquing things and we can go, and this is the stupidest story ever. But in that exchange, you're, you're building rapport with the technology. Right. You're seeing what it's working off of. And then you're providing feedback based on what you know about your business. And that is really the method that we use. So we don't have to have that specialized skill set. It taps right into our business acumen that we have readily available. So for Einstein to be able to tell that story and provide that story, what are some of the tools or some of the backend frameworks or libraries that are built into it? Are they Salesforce specific? Are they more open source? Like what goes into being able to tell that story? Uh, blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> it, it really, it is one of the most challenging. This is probably the most challenging position I've ever had because you have to straddle a, a very fine line between yeah, technical and understandable to a, a non-technical user. You have to explain enough, but you can't explain too much or it's scary. Right. And you know that's really been you know, a lot of getting feedback from customers, trying things out, completely scrapping the design and going back to it because you know it's really, it's not a, an off-the-shelf algorithm. There's no book written on how to make a machine tell a story to a human. So we're really building it from the ground up, trial and error. Very cool. So I'm, I'm curious, the... The approach is, uh, you know, you've got you got Salesforce, you got the platform, you got the analytics cloud, and you say you got the ability to bring in on you know on premises data sources, right? Bring those into the the cloud environment. Is Einstein completely cloud based, or is it something that people can deploy in their own like data center and change? What's the deployment methodology? Yeah, so Einstein today is completely cloud based. Uh, you know, we Salesforce is investing, and you know, we have some new technologies in house where it's opening up the possibility mm -hmm. to consider things for our roadmap. Yeah, but you know, really, it's still too early stage to see how exactly that's going to shape up. But definitely something that we have in the back of our minds. So does so one of the things that you talked about too, you compared what you're doing and said it's different than what uh, we're seeing in this like machine learning automation space where there's organizations that are seeking to give people with the analysts, right, that maybe aren't full-on data scientists a bit more skill in terms of using maybe competitive data science approaches to build and develop models that can then be simply executed and, you know, exported as a, you know, an API or put back in the workflow somehow. How is, you're saying that Einstein isn't just a automated machine learning tool, right. it's more. Uh, tell, yeah. tell, explain to me what you mean by more, because I heard the story part, but help me help expand on that, why it's more than just a standard you know, machine learning automation tool. Yeah, the real vision is just how far away from a data scientist's skill set are you trying to approach? Okay. And that's the thing, is most of the tools, they are, they're trying to put it into an analyst, a, a near data scientist, somebody who knows enough about data, is quite competent in you know, how models are built and how to use them. Mm -hmm. That expands your envelope slightly, the vision that we have with Einstein Analytics is don't stop there. 
we need to really advance that out to more of a business user audience because what we see is you need to tap into that business knowledge. Mm -hmm. I sat at the table with a customer and there's a business representative and a representative from their data science team. And I realized about 15 minutes into the conversation, this is the first time those two people had ever sat in the same room. (laughs) And I don't have any idea how you possibly develop a valid model without feedback from the business. We're really trying to expand that out so it's in the hands of the business user. And so that is one experience Mm -hmm. as opposed to different silos. Yeah. One more thing I might add is that we think of this as a spectrum of the people who are able to use Einstein. Why is that? because, as Jonathan was mentioning, there's only so many people who have a data scientist background and their limited resource. So what we've done with Einstein in general is we have three buckets. We've got your pre-built applications. Mm -hmm. So things like lead scoring or opportunity scoring that is out of the box, ready to go, Mm -hmm. you know, drag and drop. For admins who have a little bit more sophistication, We have um, the things like Einstein Analytics and things like um, the the service bots. Uh, so you have to configure them a bit. And then on the other side of the spectrum, we have services that you can plug into and use them as a, a developer might. Um, so across the spectrum, depending on your skill set, we can give you the tools that you need to get the prediction and recommendations that you're looking for. Oh, very cool. So like if you develop a model, if Einstein recommends some action, then some developer could potentially take that. Can they call those models via an API call? Like, is that, is that the vision or is everything going to be an app built in Salesforce today? It's a vision right now. Uh, it's a standalone tools, and we are working on you know providing additionally down down the road yeah. some more of the, that connectivity, so that you know we are able to tap into more of that technology and use it in more applications. Very cool. So you, one of the things that I, I know about Salesforce too is you have a, a brilliant community of followers and users. You know the the people who are your kind of your technical champions in the inside the organizations that use your tech. Those are called uh, trailblazers. Is that what's called? Yep, that's right. Okay, so. So trailblazers have been part and parcel to the development of this technology, I'm guessing. So what has been the, like, what was the, what's been some of the best stories you've heard from the trailblazers on how they're taking this Einstein AI thing into their organization and, and, and using AI to affect change? Yeah. One of my favorites, uh, one of our early customers you know, was helping support, getting them going. And yeah, our key contact was the VP of IT and he has a whole team working for him. And you know, about the third time I was out on site, he, you know, pulled me aside and he's showing me all these cool things he's finding with Einstein. And I said, what are you doing? You have an entire team. Why are you sitting here running your models? Why would you not, you have 10 people trained on this technology. Why are you just not kicking it over? Yeah. said, well, you know what? What I would do is I would take and I'd get my team together. I'd spend a half hour with them explaining what I wanted to see. They would come back to me. You know, Einstein's pretty quick. We'd see it either later that day or the next day. I'd explain to them that, no, that's not the problem I wanted solved. And so for that 30 minutes, I would explain to them what I actually wanted. And then the next day, come back and I'd spend another 30 minutes and they'd finally have the answers for me and we'd have some unique insights. Or I have a license of Einstein. I can load my data. I can run through it. In 20 minutes, I have the answer I needed. I didn't bother my team. They can work on the priorities that I have for them. And I have wasted less of my time 
utilizing this technology. Oh, interesting. So it's even so easy an executive can do it. That's that's a pretty good that's tagline. Nice tagline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know it's uh, can be hard sometimes. I'm sure. But so I I I view that as like that's a great like that's a great outcome for for the manager trying to report against it. But are there any like, you know, business outcomes you're seeing that organizations are changing the way that they either go to market, they're changing the way that they're supporting some stakeholder in the business? Yeah. So I can tell you about one of our customers uh, named Robert Half and their staffing agency. Uh, They are, you know, worldwide. And what their business challenge was that they wanted to be able to uh, increase the velocity at which they found roles for people who are looking for jobs. And so they need to be able to match the people's skills to uh, the roles that were available. Now, they had some data scientists who were working on this problem, but again, comes back to this idea of a bottleneck with availability and a skill set. And so what they did is they brought in um, Einstein Analytics to look at this data set and to be able to to match up these jobs better. And so they found um, that they were able to deploy it across the company and reduce the amount of time significantly that it took to match up with people and their jobs. So now the people are able to have many more cycles to, to do more deals and to be able to match up more candidates. And it's significantly changed the way that they are able to um, you know, reach candidates, get to more of them. That's very yeah, cool. and there's there's actually one more that was incredibly impressive coming back home and you know working on sales data mm-hmm. helping sales teams. One of the big things is oftentimes our the executives from our customers come back and say, well, what's change management? Uh, how do we get people to adopt this? You don't have to. You just work within Salesforce. The scores and recommendations are right alongside. But what was incredible is a few months after having these scores out in the field, everyone's been on a funnel review call. You know. You, you call down your opportunities, right? What's your biggest opportunity? What's your second biggest? Well, that's how everybody does it. Well, our customer took and did a different sort by. They started sorting by the impact of the recommended action from Einstein. And where that was interesting is Einstein is saying, your sixth visit to your $10 million potential account, that may be worth $5,000 because you're completely saturated. You've seen them five times in the last two months. But you know what? You haven't been on site with a potential million dollar account. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that first visit may be worth $100,000 of potential value. Mm -hmm. So when you sort by that category, it really, really changed things for that customer and made it so their sales team was 100% bought in they were making more money and had more time with their kids. Oh, that's see, that's what I'm talking about. That's big data having an impact. So I'm curious, what what do you think the you know I, I like this platform where it's you know, Einstein has kind of three deployment approaches. You've got the the easy button stuff that's kind of baked in. You've got the stuff that's a little bit tunable, right, configurable, and then you've really got the the stuff for the knob turners, the developer communities. But what's next for Einstein? What do you see as you know, in the next six to nine months, what's the the job that you're trying to do? Is it is it more around product development? Is it around you know getting adoption to get more feedback from the product? What's the what's the near future look for near term future look like for Einstein? Yeah, the biggest pushes for us uh, with our winter release here, uh, of course, come to Dreamforce and see it in all its glory. But it's the full integration end to end experience, and then immediately following that, our biggest push is 
again, pushing that envelope. How do we make it so it is more accessible? It's easier to interpret. It's more comfortable. There's less of a learning curve. That's really where we are focusing our R&D efforts right now is how we, how we guide users and how we have more intelligence and more steps along the way to make it so you are from data to insights in an even shorter period of time. So how does somebody get started with Einstein today? Is it, I mean, is it generally available today or is this futures? Like, how do I get started with Einstein? You absolutely get started today. Um, so, you know, as Jonathan mentioned, we have a lot that's coming down the pipe, but um, we have a lot that you can start and the best way to do it is with Trailhead. The Trailhead is the easy, fun way to learn Salesforce. So you go to trailhead, uh, excuse me, trailhead.salesforce.com. And basically, it is a gamified, badgeified way to go through and learn Salesforce, all of its products, and actually also its kind of philosophy on building applications. So you can uh, spin up your own org of Salesforce and bring in data and see how it works for yourself. And it walks you through step by step so that anybody can go in and learn about it. You get points along the way, you earn badges, and um, there's actually a whole ranking system from someone who's a, um, like a, I think they call it like a mountaineer all the way up to a ranger so that you can keep track of your progress. Oh, very cool, okay. So it's Dreamforce, tell me about this conference. When is it happening and where? It's in San Francisco. Okay. It is a massive affair. Uh, what are the dates this year? So I think it's September 23rd through the 26th. Okay. And this is one of those times where I want to make sure I'm correct. Before. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, hopefully Big Data Beer can come and do a follow-up on Einstein. <laughs> and, 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 yeah, yeah, so absolutely. maybe we can work something out there. But <laughs> for your, your winter release, you know, you know, cover that. So yeah. maybe we can do something. So uh, we, we've got some phenomenal people. So... Uh, this year, I think there's 175,000 registered attendees oh, to come. Um, we have some great speakers from Al Gore to Will I Am. Um, the band was just announced; it'll be Metallica. So this is a great chance to come and learn about Salesforce from the experts, come and network with peers, and have a lot of fun along the way. And one more thing, we're really big into philanthropy. So I don't know if you've heard of our 111 model, but there will be a chance for you to volunteer uh, for lots of different charities while you're there and make an impact on San Francisco and the world beyond. That's awesome. Oh, that's very this cool. isn't going to be at the Moscone Center then, I'm, I'm assuming, right? With hundreds of Moscone Center is uh, our, the hub of our campus. However, we are... The, uh, the entire city of San Francisco is our playground. So we will be incorporating all kinds of hotels and other uh, conference spaces into Dreamforce, um, including the Civic Center. I believe that's where DreamFest, where the band is going to be playing. Um, so we toughly invite you to come out and join us. Even if you don't have a paid pass, because I think it's sold out at this point, that we have a free conference pass that you can come for certain parts, including the campground to check out all the vendors and the solutions. Uh, so please come and join us. Excellent. Well, very cool, guys. Well, it's been good to hear from you talking about the, you know, how you're helping your customers who have, you know, chosen Salesforce as their platform for a variety of use cases, but how you're embedding AI capabilities into the platform to accelerate their maturity and their uh, their capabilities to take advantage of the advances in data science that we see today. It's I think it's a it's one of those things that we talk about a lot. That data science is hard, and the more organizations like Salesforce can make it easy for enterprises to recognize those values, then I think it's good for everybody. So they focus on those real value add activities. So I appreciate the insights from both of you. Loved seeing you on the keynote stages. It was super fun, but I want to switch gears. 
We've learned a lot from our guests about big data, but now it's time to get a bit personal. In a segment we like to call Rapid Fire. Pew, pew. What year will Skynet go online? Um, I think it was supposed to be like 2009 or something, but um, my hope is that Skynet never comes online. It's a dot X delay. Uh, Jonathan? Uh, how do we know that Skynet's not already online? See, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> and exactly. that's what freaks me out. <laughs> we probably never will. <laughs> so what is the last great book that you read? Uh, actually, my, my favorite book of all time is The Innovator's Dilemma. And it's just fundamentally changed the way that I thought about technology. And you know, without reading that, I would not have found my way to this space. Just you know, understanding how business is disrupted and how to really catch the hallmarks of what's occurring. So while Jonathan had the very businessy answer, I'm going to tell you what the uh, the last book I read, uh, which was uh, more of a summer read and got me off of the business stuff. Um, so I read David Sedaris's new book called Calypso, and I find that he just has really witty insights into everyday life that um, you know you say, oh yeah, oh my gosh, I, that's really hilarious. Why did I never think about that? So if you're looking for something that's a little bit more breezy, I'd recommend that one. Nice little break, maybe from another, from other books, right? So, what genre of music are you rocking out to right now? So, I'm a big prog rock fan. So, Rush, Queensrÿche, Dream Theater. Um, so, I'm kind of going back through some of that stuff these days, and uh, you know, kind of remembering some of the concerts that I've been to. <laughs> That's fun. So, I'm an alternative guy, but I listen to you know pretty much everything on the spectrum. And my wife and I can never agree. So, lately, we've tuned our Pandora station to Lindsey Sterling radio. So it is violin rock. It is about the only thing we can agree. Violent on. rock. Violin oh, rock. Violin. Violent rock. Oh, violin. No, no, violin. <laughs> violin. I was like, the only violent thing we agree rock. on violin yeah. rock. Wow. Boy, that got metal is where it's at. <laughs> you would be amazed how many data scientists we've had on this show. And the vast majority of them, all when we ask them that question, they say, oh, metal. Heavy metal. <laughs> Every day, I'm like, all right. It's maybe that's the way they relieve uh, stress. Yeah, I did not see that coming. That's how they build their models through <laughs> heavy metal angst. It is. They right. hate everyone, so <laughs> it speaks to them. That's right. The analysts in them. Yep. Yeah, so, I've got to get you a gym membership, my friend. <laughs> so, what piece of technology is currently making your life worse? My iPhone is annoying me because it won't charge currently. But other than that, uh, <laughs> that's all right. So by ten o'clock, it's at twenty percent. Like I don't know what to do for the rest of the day. Well, and then I'll plug it in, and after thirty minutes, I will have gotten one percent, and then magically it will pick up twenty. So I have no idea. I'm pretty sure they're just trying to make me buy a new phone. So. There you go. Uh, so I per- recently purchased a connected scale. Oh, so every time I get onto it, I'm reminded of how much I've gained in the past couple of years and how much I need to continue to lose <laughs> those scales. What is your biggest money pit, personal money pit right now? So I was lucky enough a year and a half ago to buy my first house. Um, and for someone who grew up in Memphis, where the houses are not that much, coming into a city like San Francisco and now DC, um, I have uh, become well aware of uh, big city prices. Putting things up on the wall is where the money pit is right now, because I don't have that much art. I've been living in apartments for my entire life. So I actually have to not just put up... Uh, posters from concerts and i have you know actual artwork going up 
All right. So California, the move to California aside, uh, the biggest money pit right now is my nine-year-old. We're a big uh, auto racing family. And we realized that we moved into Jeff Gordon's backyard. And out in California, we have this thing, quarter midget racing. And so I, my son now has, my nine-year-old son now has two quarter midget race cars and bought an RV because we spend 24 hours at the track and you know it's it's been absolutely crazy but a lot oh, of fun I can't wait for that phase of life so i've got a i've got a full-time track car uh so in birmingham there's a brilliant racetrack called barber motorsports park and i can't wait for my son to get old enough to get into karting kart in. i just want him so bad to be into so that i can turn wrenches and spend oh, time yeah. in rvs it's so and, much fun and yeah. by this age i you know my goal was i'm gonna have a track car yeah. i've got a 1965 mustang Ooh, but all of my racing budget now is going to my son's race cars. Yeah. I still have nothing. Maybe when he turns 13, we'll buy a Miata and, and get it track ready so he and I can take turns. Yeah, I have this I have this vision of you. Uh, your son is going around the race car, uh, racetrack and he pulls into the pit stop and you are the one that jumps out and <laughs> changes all the tires. Does all the tuning. The engine with, oh, but the with image gasoline. is even better than that. They get a flat tire or you, know, you need to swap something out real quick. The cars are light enough. We'll tip them up on a 45 degree angle and there will be a cluster of five parents ripping the wheel off, throwing a new tire on. The kid's just hanging out. I'm not that far off, am I? Awesome. You are not far off at all. No. Wow. That's wow. awesome. So Jonathan, are you going anywhere interesting soon? Um, it's actually funny. My wife and I have been talking about uh, planning a Hawaii trip. We're in San Francisco now, so it's not that far. But I've been sending her pictures this week from Disney, and I, I have a fear that our our version of Hawaii might be the Polynesian, bringing the, the family back here again because we're big Disney fans. So I have two buddies from business school that I travel with every December. This will be our fifth annual trip, and we are planning on going to Belize and Costa Rica. Oh, wow. And so if you have any recommendations or the listeners out there have any recommendations, we are all ears. Awesome. All right. And so for a little Disney theme, what is your favorite Disney character? Ooh, that's a good one. Sure. <laughs> that might count. I'm going to go pure Disney, though. Okay. I think that I think that um, Pluto is probably my favorite one because he doesn't have that much to say, but he's a very loyal guy. He's a good boy. Yeah, that's a good one. So I'm going to go Marvel since you opened the door and be true to form and go for Iron Man yeah. because, you know, who doesn't love Tony Stark? I mean, I was blown away watching the the intro video of all the stuff that is encompassed in the Walt Disney Company. Like, you forget just how enormous this place really is. So where do we find you guys on uh, on social media? So I'm, I'm on Facebook. Okay. Uh, that's and LinkedIn. Okay. Um, I'm not much of a tweeter. No, all good. How about you? Uh, I'm occasionally on Twitter, and you'll be seeing me in Dreamforce promoting all of the sessions that I'm speaking for, and uh, it's at Jonathan underscore W-R-A-Y. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for being on the Big Data Beer Podcast. It was great, as I said, to hear what, what Salesforce is doing to advanced AI and the enterprise, and uh, we look forward to seeing you again soon at the conference somewhere in the world. Well, thank you so much right. for having us on. Yeah, thanks. Cheers. It's been great. Thanks, all right, cheers. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you like big data and you like to learn. Well, we do too. And that's why we've partnered with O'Reilly Media. As a community partner for their incredible strata data and artificial intelligence conferences that are taking place around the world. 
If you would like a 20% discount on these conferences, simply use the promo code PCBEARD at checkout, or you can click the link in our show notes. The music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. Check him out on iTunes or Spotify. And don't forget to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening to the Big Data Beard Podcast. 